Volume Three, Chapter Two of Celestina. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Florence Short. Celestina by Charlotte Turner Smith. Volume Three, Chapter Two. Arrived at their insular abode after great fatigue, Mrs. Elphinstone, recalling all her fortitude, busied herself in making it as comfortable as she could, and assumed, at least, the appearance of cheerfulness, though Celestina saw with concern that it was often but appearance. Celestina herself, however, whose mind had too long been unpleasingly called off from that object on which she best loved to fix it, was far from being displeased by the perfect seclusion of the place she could now wander whole days alone amid the wild solitude in which she found herself listening only to the rush of the cataract which dashing through broken stones sparkled amid the dark heath on either side of it or the sullen waves of the ocean itself which on all sides surrounded her the ptarmigan bursting from its heathy covert or the sea-fowl screaming from the rocks were the only sounds that broke these murmurs but she found her spirits soothed by the wildness of the places she visited and far from regretting the more cultivated scenes she had left she rejoiced that since she no longer could hope to see willoughby she was released from the necessity of attending to any other person the immense distance that was now between them she sometimes considered with dismay but at others she remembered that distance only cannot change the heart she trusted on the long-tried the long-assured tenderness of her lover and was willing to indulge the soothing hope that they should meet again to be separated no more and that he was labouring to remove the fatal obstacle whatever it was that now divided them after having been above five weeks on the island a large packet arrived from cathcart it enclosed among many to his sister one to celestina from willoughby and this more than any she had yet received from him since his absence seemed to assure her of his unfailing attachment it was less confused than those he had formerly written and seemed the production of a mind more master of itself and though it did not speak in positive terms of his immediate return celestina fancied that many of the expressions alluded to that hour and her heart found this idea so deliciously soothing that she would not suffer her reason to deprive her of any part of the pleasure she found in indulging it a few of the residents of this and the neighbouring islands were by this time acquainted at the house of mr elphinstone the young and of young people their visitors principally consisted were all charmed with celestina who whatever was her inclination for solitude never refused to make one in the ramble of the morning or to join the cheerful dance of an evening elphinstone naturally good-humoured and particularly desirous of pleasing her soon became anxious to promote these parties which celestina whose heart was open to new sensations of pleasure since the receipt of willoughby's last letter did not decline not only because she found much in these remote regions to gratify her curiosity but because she foresaw that from the shortness of the summer so far north the days when these amusements were practicable were drawing to their conclusion 
and that she soon should be left unmolested to listen to the roaring of the waters and the sighings of the wind round the naked rocks against which it incessantly beat it was now the end of july and celestina had already visited jonah and several other islands sometimes these excursions had been made with mrs elphinstone but oftener without her elphinstone kept a boat which was always ready for the service of celestina and when his wife could not go with her a miss mcqueen a very agreeable young highland lady always made the third several little isles which afford no habitations for winter are scattered among the larger islands which are called the hebrides one of these lay within sight of elphinstone's house which was close to the shore at the distance of about a mile and a half it was remarkable for the grotesque form of the cliffs which arose round it and for a stream of the purest water that bubbled up at the highest ground and fell into the sea through a chasm of the rock celestina to whom elphinstone had shewn it laughingly called it her island and he in return had said that were she established on it it would become more dangerous than the island of calypso among other little plans of amusement which the decline of summer insensibly rendered more frequent it was agreed that on the first fine day some cold provisions should be taken and that they would all dine together on one of the natural stone tables in celestina's island a fine day was found the party which were mr and mrs elphinstone miss mcqueen and two gentlemen were ready when one of the boatmen who usually accompanied them was nowhere to be found elphinstone equally impatient and eager whatever was the importance or insignificance of the matter he was engaged in was going himself in search of the missing man when one of those who remained in the boat followed and told him that there was a young man a few yards farther on the shore who would take the place of him that was absent and that it was better not to wait elphinstone satisfied so long as his party was not interrupted accepted the offer and the boatman beckoning to the highlander who stood at some distance he ran towards them and was admitted into the boat the party now put off from shore the water was beautifully smooth the sky clear and the wind in their favour very little exertion therefore on the part of the men who were entrusted with the navigation landed them safely on the ilk it did not contain more than three acres of land and the sole inhabitant of it was a solitary herdsman whose temporary dwelling composed of loose stones turf and heath he had raised under the protection of a large cliff of grey slate that seemed to have started away in some strange concussion of nature from some other island and to have fixed itself as a sea-mark amidst the perpendicular and abrupt rocks that fenced this on every side the spring burst out near its base and here the party sat down to make their gay repast when it was over the gentlemen went away and while the boatmen were at dinner pushed out the boat themselves and began to fish near the shore while celestina leaving the ladies together walked away alone to the western coast of the island the sun was already declining in an almost cloudless sky and gave the warmest splendour to the broad expanse of ocean broken by several islands whose rocky points and angular cliffs caught the strong lights in brilliant contrast to the lurid hue of the heath with which their summits were clothed and which on the northern and eastern sides threw a dark shadow on the clear and tranquil bosom of the sea 
the sea-birds in swarming myriads were returning to their nests among the ragged precipices beneath her and celestina recalling to her mind the green delights of alvastone its deepening woods gay lawns and airy summits compared it in pensive contemplation with the scene before her yet different as they were she thought that with willoughby any place would be to her a paradise and that even in such a remote spot as this she should be happy if it gave only a subsistence with him this train of thought a little indulged made her have recourse to her pencil and produced an address to him in the following sonnet on this lone island whose unfruitful breast feeds but the summer shepherd's little flock with scanty herbage from the half-clothed rock where osprey cormorants and sea-mews rest even in a scene so desolate and rude i could with thee for months and years be blessed and of thy tenderness and love possess find all my world in this lone solitude when the bright sun these northern seas illume with thee admire the light's reflected charms and when drear winter spreads his cheerless gloom still find elysium in thy sheltering arms for thou to me canst sovereign bliss impart thy mind my empire and my throne thy heart the broad orb of the sun was now only half seen above the horizon and celestina who had little marked the progress of time rose and hastened to join her companions as she turned for this purpose towards that part of the island where she had left them she saw the highlander who had been taken by chance into the boat in consequence of the absence of another start up from the ground at about two hundred paces from her where he seemed to have been concealed behind a cairn or pile of rude stones and hurry away towards the part of the shore where the boat had been left the incident however made no great impression on her mind but from the singular appearance of the man who was in a complete highland dress which is now not often seen and which made him as he walked very quickly on before her seem exactly the figure a painter would have chosen to have placed in a landscape representing the heathy summits and romantic rocks of the hebrides she soon rejoined mrs elphinstone and miss mcqueen the three gentlemen almost as soon approached to tell them it was time to return and they arrived again at their home after a little excursion with which all seemed pleased though celestina had suffered some raillery for having so long deserted them every day now passed nearly alike diversified only now and then by the company of a stranger from some of the other islands and sometimes a party in the boat elphinstone was not yet tired by the project which brought him hither for to use an expression of his wife's which she uttered with a melancholy smile to celestina the new was not yet off he was therefore gay and alert persuaded himself by calculations which he made after his own sanguine manner that he was not only a benefactor to the public but should in a few years realize a great fortune by facilitating the capture of herons among the western islands of scotland the season for the proof of his exploits in this way was now rapidly approaching and he became every day more busy but his wife looked forward to it with less pleasure she languished for her little girls who were at the other extremity of england 
and thought with dismay of the tempests of winter which would shut her out from the little communication she yet had with that country but whatever was her regret she suffered it not to disturb the transient happiness her husband seemed to enjoy nor to communicate any gloom to the milder cheerfulness of celestina whose company was her greatest resource against that cold despondence which in spite of all her fortitude sometimes seized on her heart celestina had now been almost three months an inhabitant of the isle of skye and felt nothing unpleasant in her insular situation but the length of time that must always elapse before she could hear from willoughby or even from cathcart a second packet was however brought to mrs elphinstone from the latter before the expiration of the eleventh week of their abode with eager impatience it was opened celestina received her part of it with a beating heart but on unsealing it it found no letter from willoughby a letter in a hand which she did not at the moment recollect ever to have seen before attracted her attention and mingled it with something of terror she looked eagerly at the name and saw it signed with that of the elder mr thorold her spirit sunk was it some ill news of willoughby which he communicated that he might soften the blow she hurried it over in such breathless agitation as hardly gave her leave to understand what she read which was to this effect your old friend amiable celestina though he has only had one letter from you since you left him reminds you of himself once more and is sorry that like everything in this world his letter will convey to you a mixture of pleasure and pain my daughter arabella is married to her own wishes and those of her mother in point of fortune she has done well we cannot here obtain every thing i hope she will be happy and i am sure she will be rich which in the opinion of most fathers you know puts the former point out of doubt you will guess that mr Bettinson is the gentleman who is now numbered with my family my wife has been gone with the new married couple some weeks to the seat of mr Bettinson's father in norfolk you know i love home and i love that those who are less delighted with it should not be needlessly disturbed when they are out for which reason i have never communicated to his mother that montague after attending his sister's wedding here did not return to oxford as he talked of doing that i know not whither he is gone and have only had one letter from him since in which he assures me he is well and desires i would not be uneasy about him it is very difficult to be otherwise this eccentric young man makes me tremble for him perpetually having no clue to direct my guesses i have no conjecture where or with whom he is and think it better to say as little as i can about an absence on which a thousand unfavourable constructions may be put ah my lovely ward how fortunate it would have been if when his judgment directed his heart it could have been accepted where but this is wrong or at best useless farewell may heaven protect you and i pray you not to forget your most faithful friend e thorold relieved from her first apprehensions celestina felt extremely concerned at the absence of montague thorold so painful to his father perhaps so discernibly to himself she read over the letter again and fancied it very evident that mr thorold imputed it to some new attachment 
and giving a sigh to the recollection of all it must cost such a father to see such an unfortunate turn of mind blast all the acquirements of learning and all the advantages of genius she turned her thoughts to willoughby and felt with renewed poignancy the disappointment of not having heard from him another and another week passed without any intelligence and all the soothing hopes celestina had so fondly encouraged gradually gave way to fear and apprehension at length a second packet arrived it contained a letter indeed from willoughby but so far was it from confirming the favourable presages of the former that she saw in it only a prelude to the event which other information made her believe would soon happen the marriage of willoughby and miss fitzhaman lady horatia howard whose attachment to celestina had taken very deep root had written to her from london whither she was now gone and had told her with as much tenderness as she could that such was the general report among the relations of the family and what was generally believed in the world from the same channel she also learned that sir philip and lady molyneux were expected in england early in the ensuing winter and that a large house in portman square was fitted up in the most splendid style for their reception lady horatia concluded a most friendly letter to celestina thus but my dear miss de mornay however all these things may be let me hope that you will not hide yourself in the hebrides all the winter why should you talents and virtues like yours were never intended for obscurity come then to me and assure yourself of the truest welcome you need not apprehend meeting mr willoughby and his bride for it is understood that they are to remain some time abroad and before they return to england you will have learned to conquer those painful emotions which the sight of them now perhaps might give you your understanding sets you above the puerile indulgence which inferior minds claim by prescription towards a first love the man whom any common consideration could induce after having won your affections to desert you never could deserve you and if some insurmountable barrier is between you you will learn to consider him as a friend and consult his peace in regaining that cheerfulness which he meant not to destroy but which to see destroyed must overcloud his days however prosperous they may otherwise be there was in this letter more meant than was expressed and on considering it the wonder and uneasiness of celestina were redoubled but however obliged she thought herself by the friendly interest lady horatia took in her happiness and however just her arguments might be she felt no inclination to quit her present solitude and since she had now less hope than ever of meeting willoughby she had less than ever a desire to return into the world but gave herself up to that melancholy despondence against which hope and her own sanguine and cheerful temper had till now supported her to indulge this increasing sadness it was now her custom to walk out alone after dinner and to make for herself a species of gloomy enjoyment from the dreary and wild scenes around her a little time before she had been imagining how pleasant the most desolate of these barren islands might be rendered to her by the presence of her beloved willoughby she now rather sought images of horror the sun far distant from this northern region was as faint and languid as the sick thoughts of celestina his feeble rays 
no longer gave any warm colouring to the rugged cliffs that rose above her head or lent the undulating sea that sparkling brilliance which a few weeks before had given gaiety and cheerfulness even to these scattered masses of almost naked stone against which the water incessantly broke grey sullen and cold the waves now slowly rolled towards the shore where celestina frequently sat whole hours as if to count them when she had in reality no idea present to her but willoughby lost to her for ever willoughby forgetting her and married to miss fitzhamond she had more than once remarked in returning from her walks that a man who kept always at such a distance that she could merely discover to be a highlander seemed to be observing her yet as he never came near her and always disappeared before she got near the house she could not imagine him to be one of the people belonging to elphinstone but puzzled rather than alarmed by his appearance for which she could not account she insensibly ceased to notice him mrs elphinstone occupied as she was by her own domestic uneasiness was still most tenderly attentive to celestina and endeavoured to communicate to her some of that still and mournful acquiescence which served her in place of philosophy celestina had not yet suffered enough to learn it but she forbore to add to the melancholy of her friend by indulging her own while they were together and this restraint threw her more than ever into entire solitude though the autumn was so far advanced that the weather frequently drove her from the open hill or the vale under it to the casual shelter of some natural cave by the side of which the torrent increased by the storm hoarsely rushed and was answered by the roar of other streams whose hollow murmurs swelled in the gusts of wind that whistled through the mountainous tracks and compelled even the fowls of the desert to seek shelter where only it was afforded within the caverns of the cliffs or among the matted heath that clothed their summits the delicate the elegant the lovely celestina she whose talents would have adorned the most informed society and whose beauty might have given new lustre to the fairest assembly was thus a self-banished recluse in the remotest and most uncultivated part of the british dominions her wish now was to pass her whole life here in that sullen calm which she at length hoped to obtain and the rudest scene of these islands now appeared to her infinitely preferable to any of the pleasures lady horatia howard offered her since they could only serve to remind her of willoughby perhaps to shew her how happy he could learn to be united with another the frequency of storms now prevented many of those visits which had during summer a little broken for elphinstone the uniformity of solitude but it was the height of the season for catching heron and he was busy and for the present happy while his unfortunate wife who desolate as her present situation was yet dreaded the hour when this bustle should sink into discontent and give place to other projects received him on his return from those expeditions to other islands in which he was now frequently engaged always with cheerfulness which he did not or would not see was forced and sometimes with smiles which to everybody but him were evidently were the smiles of a stifled anguish celestina answered lady horatia's letter as it deserved but to willoughby she was determined not to write 
that trembling solicitude with which she had been accustomed to expect letters from him it was now she thought time to subdue for she persuaded herself that never again they would bring to her anything but anguish and regret and yet by those contradicting sensations to which violent attachments subject the human heart she incessantly indulged herself in thinking of all those happy hours which she had passed with him whom she fancied deserved little or no regret of whom she ought not to think at all and yet was so fond of recollecting that every conversation was irksome to her and every employment a task which took off her attention a moment from him she repeated incessantly to herself sometimes with tears of tenderness and sometimes with those painful emotions of mingled anger and regret which press on the heart when pride and resentment are struggling with affection in other moods she reproached herself for thus cherishing this unhappy passion tried to recall those days of resignation when without hope of ever being his she yet preferred willoughby to all mankind and to dismiss from her mind for ever the recollection of the few weeks when he had awakened that hope and called forth all her sensibility only as it should seem to render her wretched then she exclaimed in her native language felicite passée qui ne peut revenir tourment de ma pensée que n'ai-je de perdant perdu le souvenir in these gloomy moods she was quite unable to remain a moment in company especially in the company of elphinstone who with the true projectors infatuation fancied everybody else as much interested about the fishery as he was and persecuted her with details of how many buses he had out and how many flats they had taken what was the best method of curing them and of the superiority which a few years would give the fishery in which he was engaged over the dutch celestina began to dread the conversation and had it not been for mrs elphinstone of whose suffering merit she was every hour more sensible she would not have forborne to express her weariness and disgust a hearer was necessary to elphinstone and when he had nobody else to talk to this unenviable place was filled by the inwardly impatient celestina it happened however that she was released from this for some days towards the end of november elphinstone went to the isle of hares on his business as he fancied and the wind being against his return she no longer listened to the method of curing herrings but returned to her shortened but less interrupted walks in one of these towards the close of a very lowering and cheerless day when her way was along the rugged cliffs that on the western side of the island hung over the sea she composed the following sonnet the pilgrim faltering and sad the unhappy pilgrim roves who on the eve of bleak december's night divided far from all he fondly loves journeys alone along the giddy height of these steep cliffs and as the sun's last ray fades in the west sees from the rocky verge dark tempest scowling o'er the shortened day and hears with ear appalled the impetuous surge beneath him thunder so with heart oppressed alone reluctant desolate and slow by friendship's cheering radiance now unblessed 
along life's rudest path i seem to go nor see where yet the anxious heart may rest that trembling at the past recoils from future woe end of volume three chapter two